Hi, you're about to listen to Dirty Laughs Podcast. When life doesn't give you the success you planned, grab a microphone and your three best friends and put on a show anyway. Hello. Uh, <laughs> Welcome to Dirty Laughs Podcast. Yeah. Ah, ah, I'll just hit, ah. Oh, my God. Oh, in all that excitement, I'll just hit my funny bone. <laughs> After a really strong start, guys. Oh, I hate really that. Strong. <laughs> that sent, like, a shock all the way up my arm. That was horrible. Pins and needles. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, hello. <laughs> we should say at the beginning of this that we are in the middle of, is it Storm Eunice or a storm? I think it's Eunice. It's no, one yeah. of the no, two. No, 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 Franklin. Franklin. Oh, Franklin. Okay. We moved on from Eunice to Franklin now. Eunice has left the building. <laughs> Eunice Thank is God. gone. So there may be some noises or... The occasional scream. That we're doing the best we can. <laughs> Harriet has had to move to a new room because of the storm. And you may be able to hear a boiler. So if you hear a noise, just don't tell us about it because... Yeah, we're we know. aware. <laughs> we know. Don't be that person. <laughs> so tell us about your trips you can go first dalish um well i just got back from paris today in fact so i've had a very nice time it was lovely lots of walking you know my feet hurt and i'm tired but it was very nice good for the soul it was yeah i haven't traveled since before covid you know the whole thing so it's nice to get out there again it's very weird though i don't know if you found this harriet but because i haven't been on a plane and i used to be really used to it i just like couldn't quite remember things like i found like i was like more anxious not anxious isn't the right word yeah me too i didn't really want to believe i was actually gonna go to paris until i literally was like through customs and on a bus going into the city of paris yeah so it was a bit weird <laughs> and then coming back that was a bit of a nightmare in france though like because they're very like intense about covid restrictions and security stuff at the moment that side of it was way more intense than i felt like it needed to be but that's fine everyone survived got back in one piece so it's all good how about you harriet oh skiing was lovely so similar to you this is my first trip out the country since before covid but the last time i was abroad was when we went into lockdown and you were skiing then yeah we were saying it was quite nice that we started the pandemic skiing and now we're hopefully ending the pandemic by skiing in a different country. But Andorra was lovely. Like France, it was very strict on the old COVID things. But skiing itself was absolutely lovely. Harriet fell down a mountain and sent us a picture of her hair. Frozen. Actual block of ice. I looked like <laughs> Elsa, yeah. Scary. That day was a little bit stressful, but other than that, it was great. And you've been holding the fort for us here, Sam. Uh, do, did you fight off the storm? Are you okay? Yeah, so this is the thing, right? You went away, Harriet went away, my mum went away, and me and my brother decided to Photoshop ourselves into every single photo <laughs> that she took. Just because, you know, why yeah. wouldn't we? <laughs> Amazing. You are going on holiday, aren't you? So this is the thing, um, a bit like what you were saying, Harriet. When the pandemic first sort of came about, I was on holiday, I went to Tenerife with my mum and my brother, and the day we came back, 
the hotel next to us went into full lockdown and everyone was stuck there. So if we had left it one more day, then we would have been stuck out there. And then we're going to go back to that hotel because it's the most beautiful hotel around Easter time. But they've just moved our flight. So we've just lost a whole day of our holiday. I'm fuming. Oh. Oh. Uh, right, let's, let's get into it, shall we? Firstly, I put out a poll on our Instagram to choose the next musical that we were going to learn about in this section. I am going to do the one that won, but I'm not going to do it just yet because it has some similar, not similar themes, but it's about serial killers. And last week we learned about Sweeney Todd and I thought, let's just break it up, shall we? And come back to killing on another day. I've worked out what it is. Basically, I was like, we're going to break up some of this, you know, let's murder people musicals. We're going to do a fun one that most of the listeners won't know. And we're going to learn about Just So. Jesus. (laughs) I'm doing this with my little ones at the minute. Just for context for all the listeners, the three of us were when we were in drama school, we were in a production of Just So, this musical. So let's find out about it. It is a British musical and it's based on Rudyard Kipling's Just So stories, which tells the fictional stories of how animals may have evolved, but definitely not the truth. I.e. one of the most famous ones is how the leopard got its spots and uh, how the tiger got its stripes, I think, was one of the other ones. The main story that they focus on in the musical Just So is how the elephant got its trunk. Rudyard Kipling is, well, was very famous British writer. He had previously written The Jungle Book and its sequel, which is very creatively called The Second Jungle Book. <laughs> Not The Jungle Book 2, The Second Jungle Book. <laughs> yeah. Just to mix things up. And in The Second Jungle Book, there is a story called How Fear Came, in which the lead character Mowgli learns how the tiger got its stripes and this is what inspired Kipling to do a whole series that's just about how animals got particular features and he would tell them to his daughter as bedtime stories at the very beginning I don't quite understand this but apparently she would always say can you tell it just so it was like her thing that she would request her bedtime stories be told just so. I don't know what that means. Isn't that what they used to like say it as it is, like back in the day? Probably is something like that. But that's why he ended up calling them just so stories because they were like her bedtime stories and that was her thing. It's quite cute. It is quite cute. Demanding child. Tell it just so! <laughs> <laughs> and then they ended up being published as a book in 1902. And over the years, they have been adapted into stage and screen versions. I would say probably most famously, there was a series of cards cartoons which I did actually have on VHS as a child and I loved them. I used to watch them all the time. I only really remember how armadillos came to be which was like a hedgehog rolled up inside it. Oh I used to have those as well. Yeah so essentially there's been many adaptations of it but then George Stiles and Anthony Drew who are more commonly known as their like writing partnership name as Stiles and Drew They met in Exeter University in the early 80s, where Stiles was studying music and Drew was studying zoology. They actually credit Sweeney Todd as the reason why they wanted to write together, because they went to watch a production of Sweeney Todd, like a small, I think, you know, like little local production of Sweeney Todd. A bit like the one we saw. Yeah. And they basically just felt that it was the perfect combination of everything in a musical. And... They say, if you only watch one musical in your life, it should be Sweeney Todd because that's the best one out there. And they basically walked away from it and decided we want to write musicals together. And they went and they uh, initially produced a 
show called Tutankhamun in 1984, which started their writing partnership, which is still active today. So, I mean, I don't know how many years is that since 1984, like nearly 40 years. So they had been reading one of Rudyard Kipling's other books to Stiles' niece and nephew as bedtime stories. And they felt that the poetic writing already sounded a bit like a song. So they decided to look into his other books and see if there were other things that they could kind of take from when writing musicals. And they ended up piecing together various stories from the Just So stories and putting them together into one long story uh, and kind of weaving all the plots into one. Although there is the main kind of overarching story, which is how the elephant got its trunk. But then along the way, you'll you kind of find out about how other animals might have changed. Like how the cola cola bird learned to fly. Yeah, so Sam played the cola cola birds. Yes, she did. And the cola cola bird learned how to fly. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, it's like how the kangaroo got its big legs, which is a bit weird. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. And oh my god, what was the... how the it was how the how the leopard got its spots? I think um, yeah, because they camouflage zebra and yeah, how the zebra got yeah. its stripes and the rhino. Yeah, the rhino was how it got its tight skin. Yes, because he ate all the cake. I remember there was something about how he got crumbs in his skin as well, or something. Oh, so so disgusting. It was so gross. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the musical ended up winning the first ever Vivian Ellis Prize, which is a national competition to find new musical writers for the stage. And winning this prize brought them to the attention of, at the time, a young Cameron McIntosh, the producer who we had previously learned about, uh, particularly when we talked about Les Mis, we talked about Cameron McIntosh. He initially produced it, so it was put on at the Newbury Watermill Theatre in 1989 and it had a mixed reception so kind of not much happened with it after that it didn't really get successful until 2005 you know what we only did it about 10 years after yeah so when we were doing it we were listening to cast recordings which had John Barrowman and Julie Atherton in it and it was actually that production that they were in in 2005 at the Chichester Theatre Festival that is where it found success so they actually I think they revised a bit of the kind of the show and the plot and they revamped it and people then loved it and it had all these rave reviews and then it got a cast album off the back of that and it also got published by a publishing company so that you could buy the rights to put it on yourself which I actually think is where it probably finds its feet more than as a big stage show in the West End because it's such an ensemble show. Yeah it's brilliant for children to learn about musicals and it's got so many options for like theatre schools to do stuff with as well. Yeah it feels like uh, an entry-level musical doesn't it? Yeah so when John Barrowman did this was this pre-John Barrowman fame or during John Barrowman fame and did John Barrowman's fame contribute to it being so popular? I think it may have been a little bit of both I think it was like I mean, 2005, that wouldn't have been far off when he was in Doctor Who, right? I don't I don't watch Doctor Who, but I do remember him being in it when I was a teenager. I think 2005 was like quite Torchwood time because Torchwood's when he got really popular. I would say it was towards the beginning of that kind of era, John Barrowman. So it probably was a bit of both. It may have contributed and it may have contributed to his success in theatre as well because I don't know. Um, yeah, so they did a cast recording, which is still the cast recording that you you know you can listen to wherever you wherever you're listening to this podcast. I'm sure. 
Um, you can listen to that. So Styles and Drew went on to have other successful musicals, most notably Honk, which won the Laurence Olivier Award for Best Musical. Honk's good. Another good one. They also did The Wind in the Willows, and they wrote the score for the stage production of Mary Poppins, which is, I mean, still on the West End. Obviously, they didn't write the songs that were in the movie, you know, like years and years ago, but they adapted everything and did the kind of score and added the extra songs in. They talk about the fact that they write separately and then they piece it together. So in general, Drew would be more inclined to write the lyrics and Styles would write the music, but Styles can't write if Drew is near him, which I actually understand. It's really hard to write from scratch when people are next to you. And he basically finds that it's like he's being watched and there's, you know, this like pressure on the first like scrap of anything you put down. You feel like it needs to be good because <laughs> someone's watching you do it. So he basically does it by himself and then they'll bring their work together then and see how it works. It's also interesting that they were friends first. It's nice that they've like found that their rhythm with that. I read like an interview with them and it sounded like it's almost like a bit of a joke between them. In this interview that I was reading, they were asked, what is your single most important piece of advice to budding musical writers? And they said, keep writing. Listen to everyone's opinion, but don't feel you have to agree with everything they say. Open yourself up to collaborate. Putting on a musical is the ultimate example of teamwork and don't give up. We've been writing together for nearly 28 years, of which it took the first 17 years before we really felt that we had arrived. That's not meant to bring you down or like a negative thing. I think what they mean, because it wasn't, it didn't take 17 years for them to actually have any success. But I think it took 17 years or whatever for them to feel like they knew what they were doing. It's nice to hear people say that, to go like, firstly, if you don't find success, that doesn't mean you won't. For, for one, that's one side of it. But also that even if you do, you might not feel suddenly like, I know everything and I'm amazing. It may take a while for you to get that confidence, which is just nice, for, useful for us to know, isn't it? You don't realise, I think, how many people are actually winging it and no one actually knows what they're doing. But people, you know, people look like they know what they're doing. That's enough. So, yes, good. Yeah, so that is, that's just so, honestly, there wasn't loads of detailed information out there. Um, because it's not, you know, it's not like a big Broadway show or anything. But it's a cute little musical if you're looking for that kind of thing. Time to write a musical. We are here to have fun, to talk about creative things, to learn about musicals. But the main thing that we are doing here, if this is your first time, is we are writing our own musical. Our musical, if you don't know, is essentially about a battle between your heart and your head. That's our the main, main point of it. But they're going to be personified. So there are two characters and they're lost in the wilderness. They're fighting each other. They split up. Things are happening. And then it cuts to uh, our, ca- our main sort of character called Joe. And essentially what we learn is those are characters are in their head and they are battling like their head and their heart so they can make a decision. Things are gonna be more detailed than that, but that's all you need to know if you know nothing else. So I basically was playing a little bit around with the structure of the song that I brought before where we first meet Joe. Now, what I will say is a lot of it is kind of almost like placeholder music, if you know what I mean, in terms of um, we were talking about this idea that there's like the ensemble maybe singing a song and Joe singing a song and they might 
kind of will merge or they might cross over or cut between the two. What I want to do is come back to what the ensemble are actually singing a bit later on in the process when we've kind of got other things, you know, we kind of know where we're going. It would be nice to come back to that and kind of shape it a bit properly. But I've thrown some things in there to give a bit of an idea of what that may be. I'll just play it and I'll try and talk through maybe some of it so you can kind of hear where I was thinking things might fit in. And it is very rough, so it's something to just come back to. One of the things we talked about was the transition into Joe's song. So I've done something very different with that. I think it works, but I guess what it just shows is that there's options anyway there. And I thought we could add in some words so it kind of merges together. Words that link to like the work that they're doing. As it haunts me Leaves me empty with a glance No one else can see the shadows No one knows I'm in a trance I hope that one day I'll open the door Open and just let go This then could lead into the scene that Sam brought. Someone could then burst into the room almost as Joe's ending that bit. They have their conversation and then we talked about maybe a bit of a filler thing. I just threw together something to kind of represent what that could be while 
Joe is moving and the ensemble maybe are singing to, kind of almost singing to Joe. So Joe could be moving through some kind of corridor into the office here. Tonight I return to the darkness of And I want that to be, you'll open the door. I just didn't have time to re-record it. <laughs> I love that. Oh, you know what? Oh. Okay. Oh, that's lit a fire in my belly. Yay. I love it. Okay. But that, ca- that thing, that came out of nowhere. I loved it. Yeah. When they started singing. Yeah. And I was picturing, I'm sorry, hurry up. If, if I'm stepping on your toes, you just you, know, you just tell me no, off. Fine. Fine. But I could picture it as... Joe is singing, like, the slow motion around Yeah, same, same. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And then I I could see it in my head, and then the choral bit came, (laughs) and I I could see them all behind behind Joe, like, Mm. reaching with, like, a phone or something like that, and then they'd move again. Yeah. And I was just like, I could see it, and it was, oh, my God, that was really good. I loved that. Also... With that exact bit, that doesn't need to be a phone ringing. What happened was I miscounted the bars when I was recording it and had an extra bar in the middle and was like, I don't know what to do with it. So for now, I'm just rather than re-record all of the voices, I'm just going to throw in a noise so that it's like something cuts into it. But that is really just like we can do what we want with that. We can extend the choral right until the music kicks in or we can have a different noise happen there, whatever we want. Yeah. When um, they're singing about the corridor and obviously talking about shadows, it reminded me a lot of the very first song, the shadow song. And do you remember we talked about potential lights, having lightography? Yeah, yeah. I wonder if we could replicate that a bit. Like, maybe there's some lightography happening and as they go past, maybe the light turns on or off depending whether we want it to be a negative or positive emotion. Yeah, we could play with the idea of that lightography stuff, couldn't we? Popping up at other times as well, potentially. I think that would be one of the things we won't know until we actually get into it. Like yeah. in, in terms of all the transitions and, mm. you know, like in that song, they're, they're really like more just to give a kind of example of the structure of what the song could be. Yeah, but um, yeah. obviously we'll like come back to all of that because I just was like giving examples. But I liked the idea of the almost like a bit of like a Les Mis choral moment where they all just like stop what they're doing or like you said, almost like a or a slow motion or whatever it is. Yeah. And they like Green cut into cars. it. Yeah. Thought yeah. It might be quite nice. <laughs> really good. Originally I was like having the ensemble sing with Joe. And then I thought, actually, no, I think it might make it a bit more impacting if they don't sing with Joe. Yeah. Mm. You know, so it's like Joe's alone. Joe's alone. Yeah. That's true. But I think the transition into Joe singing is much better, isn't it? Yeah. At the beginning. I I enjoyed having that a little bit longer. I really enjoyed that. I I was getting into it. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, God. (laughs) I enjoyed the sun snaps out of it because it's like you were really in the moment and suddenly snap came out of it. Like you're actually in an office. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and it, we, I put in a I put in a door closing because I thought it could represent it could be physical, but it also doesn't have to be because it could be like a mental door, you know, because mm-hmm. they're talking about oh they're in a corridor like it almost could be like a they shut the door shuts on 
what everyone else is doing. But that's like, again, that was just to kind of illustrate what could be there. Maybe it's Corey and Ali shutting the door. On each other? Maybe. On Joe? On anyone? The other thing, right, I, now I've just been thinking about this. We're getting ourselves into a pickle with this whole gender thing. Because what we don't want to do is lose any character development because we're, you know, scared to commit to a gender. So one thing we could do is pick a gender while we're writing it. So we're writing it with that in mind. And then once we've done that, change that gender, see how it impacts the writing and then make amendments. Mm. Yeah. So we understand who they are, what's their history. Mm. Say we decided it was a heterosexual woman Mm -hmm. and then we were like, okay, let's look at what we've done and see what happens if we change it to a guy. What impact does it make on the entire thing? It's definitely gonna make it easier, I think, for us. Yeah. Definitely. I think as well, with each character that we've got, it's not just gonna be about how we've written it. It's gonna be about whoever the actor is, regardless of gender about what they do with it. Yeah, yeah, of course. When the right person comes along, you know straight away. Yeah. Mm. And I think if we're open to that, we will know. Do you know what I mean? Well, that's the thing. When we come to the casting, we can be open. Yeah. Yeah, I think and I think that's the important thing. If we are if providing the casting stays open and we are open to the idea of that, I think that's important. When it comes to their friends, do we want them to be the same gender or do we want them to just be always a mix? Mix it up. I would prefer it to be mixed. I like the idea of them being mixed. More to play with. And if we make that decision as well, then we, when we're writing, we're thinking about it that way as well. But if you think as well, every good story or TV show about a group of friends has mixed genders. Yeah, they're all mixed. How I Met Your Mother, friends. Big Bang Theory, all mixed. Yeah, when you look at musicals, I actually think they're often not. Mm. And maybe that's something that would be interesting to change. Yeah, I agree, because it would reflect reality. Like, I obviously don't know about everyone, but, like, I personally have always been in mixed friendship groups, I've even when I was younger in school. Yeah, I am. Same. Should we make a decision now, then? I think as we are women, we write a woman yeah yeah and then revisit it and say okay does it work if if joe now becomes a man yeah i think that could be quite fun as well yeah it would be we have an exciting episode next week everybody i'm buzzing because we have special guests and we're gonna be uh diving into the minds of some of our characters with some debates and it's gonna be very fun so uh come back it's not one but two special guests everyone so Tune in. Tune in. (laughs) Come and join Sam's social network. She's here for you. (laughs) Okay, so we have a message saying hi. Please can you give a shout out? Hi. hi. (laughs) Please can you give a shout out to my little sister Neve, who has just got into her dream school to study musical theatre. Go on, Neve. Well done. Yay, Neve. She listens to you all the time, and I'm super proud of her. Lots of love, Kiva. No. Kiva. Kiva. Sorry, I said Kiva. My bad. I mean, that may be how they pronounce it. To be fair, I don't know them, but my cousin's child has that name. It's the spelling of it. So, oh. How lovely. Go on, Neve. Well done. Yes. Well, well done. done. Smashing it, girlfriend. Yay. That, that takes me back, that does. Yeah. Getting into drama school. Yeah. I felt like Billy Elliot when I opened my letter. I really did. <laughs> I 
remember it vividly, actually. Same. I was thinking about this. I was thinking about this the other day. Is that when I got that letter, I stood in my doorway and I can remember standing in my doorway reading the letter, and I went, "Oh, mum, look, I got in," and she went, oh, "That's all right, then." <laughs> <laughs> I remember I was at uni still, so because I mean, I took the day off uni, I auditioned, and it was the best audition I've ever had in my whole life, and I absolutely loved it. And I come home and I was quietly confident. I was like, I think, I think it went really well, but you know, I don't want to get my hopes up. But my hopes were up there. They were up already. And like a week goes by and I've not heard anything. And I'm like, hopes and dreams are crashing around me. And I get an email from our principal going, oh, just, have you had the letter yet? And I was like, no. <laughs> and they'd gone back to my home address. And I'd been calling mum and be like, mum, have we got any letters? Have I got anything? Like, and then she was like, no, no, I haven't. And um, I called her and was like, I need to know if I've got a letter because they're emailing me asking me if I've got a letter. She lifts up the doormat and it gone under the doormat and it had been posted literally the day after that I auditioned that I'd got in. And um, Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I so, think that it was pretty quick. But we yeah. were, me and Sam were at the same audition and we were, I think we were one of the last auditions, weren't we? Our group, Ailey. <laughs> how great was just oh okay right so one of the parts of the audition process was that you went into a room and you sung seasons of love from rent oh what a time which is the song that starts 525,600 minutes we sung it and then you went around and everyone you know sung a verse and all of that and that was the singing audition and firstly a lot of musical theater people know this and usually you would assume if someone's going to drama school that they probably know it it's okay if they don't though obviously but also they did send us the song and the sheet music in advance of the audition so you did know what you were going into and you were holding the sheet music with the lyrics on it during the audition they made it as easy for us as they humanly could it was the best singing audition i've had in my life honestly but in in our audition there was a girl who had some odd moments leading up to this anyway. FYI for the viewers, Sam has her head in her hands currently <laughs> and is shaking. But she um, lost her mind during this part <laughs> and started <laughs> just shouting numbers. Like it was like five, seven, three, nine, 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 nine. like <laughs> that she could not get any numbers number out. that she could. Like any number. It was so hard because I was, you don't want to laugh in, in an audition. No. You don't want to laugh I'm, at someone. Like you want to be professional, but it was so, so hard. I remember standing there thinking, I never want to leave this room. <laughs> forever because this was it was just so much so much fun (laughs) but there was also there was also and i should say this for anyone that is auditioning at the minute do not be psyched out by the people around you no because we also had a girl um in our group in our audition group who was giving it the Billy Big Bollocks and was talking a lot and was saying oh yeah when i i've done this and i've done that and she got in the room and she couldn't do it. And I remember psyching myself out in this audition because what because of what she was saying to me. And we got in the room and I remember thinking, what was I what was I worried about? Yeah, she wasn't didn't really know how to do anything, which is totally fine. Also, by it's the absolutely way. Absolutely fine. But um uh, yeah, I remember her because everyone was sat in the little kind of waiting area thing, chatting with each other. And I remember that she kept saying things about musicals that I didn't know. And um, and I remember thinking, like, she kept saying, oh, well, the other, the other month I was, I don't know, you know, like, Susie in 
and then would say a musical I hadn't heard of as though I should know who that person is, who the character is, and I should be really impressed. And I felt really like inferior. I remember thinking, oh my God, I don't know anything about musicals. Like this is a mistake. This is going to be really embarrassing for me because Mm -hmm. I'm going to learn that everyone knows things I don't know. And yeah, when we went into the room, you suddenly realized that that was just all bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> like she was yeah. putting on a front to yeah. make you feel like shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we um we had uh, a geezer in my audition who was um all of that rolled into one. So we're chatting and this this bloke comes, he sits next to us and he's like, oh, are you right, you right? And we're like, yeah, yeah, you're right. You know, getting to know each other, being polite in the auditions as you do. And he's like, yeah, well, you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Um, yeah, I've done panto with the MD here for like. Oh God, since I was a kid, yeah, know him really well. And like, there's me thinking, oh my God, no. <laughs> this is like, especially being like not a singer. We then get to Seasons of Love. First thing he does, he walks up to MD, hand out. Oh, how you doing, mate? Nice to see you. Do you remember I done Panto with you? MD looks him right in the eye. No, don't remember. <laughs> Who are you? Never met you a day in my life. And I'm sitting there like, oh, oh. I mean, FYI, if you do know somebody in an audition who is on the panel, I think all I have learned from that experience is maybe wait for them to ask you yeah, let if them you've acknowledge done it. Other than that, pretend it doesn't, you don't know them, I'd say it's probably a strong bet. I mean, I feel like we should just say that we're not all like horrible bitches and it's totally okay if you go and mess up an audition. We have messed up so many auditions ourselves. We've all messed up auditions. Yeah, absolutely. So like, it's to- like it's one of those, it's just absolutely fine. I guess our advice is, don't be a dick. Yeah, don't be a dick and be humble. Yeah. Just calm down. Be, yeah. like, understand that, like, because that guy is right. A lot of things is about who you know. And mm. what that means is, like, present yourself from, like, the second you arrive at an audition, present yourself as the version of you you actually want the t- them to believe. Mm. It's a small, well, it's a big world because it's hard to get work, but it's also a small world because everyone knows each other. <laughs> so just don't be a prick, guys. <laughs> That's just our advice for if you're yeah. auditioning. Like our friend Neve. Well done, Neve. Yes, well, well done. done. If you'd like to get in touch, you can email us podcast at dirtylaughs.co.uk or you can like follow us on Instagram at dirtylaughspodcast. The same for TikTok. Yay. Harriet's head scratcher. Scratch your head now. When I was on holiday, I saw a lot of these and they're referred to as different things. So, is it a fanny pack or is it a bum bag? Depends where you're from. Well, do you know what it is? It's absolute trash that I never want to lay my eyes on, whatever you call it. (laughs) (laughs) But I would call it a bum bag. If I had to call it something, it would be a bum bag. I would... See, this is the thing. I want to... It is a bum bag, but I always want to call it a fanny pack because I just like saying fanny pack, fanny pack, fanny pack. Mm. Pack your fanny. That's not where your fanny is. (laughs) (laughs) Americans, you correct me if I'm wrong, but you call your bum your fanny. Yeah. Like... Excuse me, fanny camera. Okay. You know. Yeah. But it doesn't translate well here because that's not what we call our fanny. That's not. <laughs> that is slightly incorrect biology. It's close, but uh, not close enough. <laughs> I mean, I just despise bum bags. I can't get on board with them. Oh, I love them, but I like going to festivals, so that's they are appropriate for festivals I'm... and holidays and traveling, yeah. and that is it. I love going to festivals, but I just still I can't I will never be able to wear them. When people wear them like like the road men wear them across their chest, I'm like, well, that is neither your fanny nor your bum, so why is it up there? 
Just now that you're funny on your mum. Yeah. Your chest bag. Your chest pack. Your chest pack. <laughs> pex pack. Yes, the pex pack. That's what it is. I feel to do that you have to have pex. Yeah. Though. And I feel that a lot of the people who do that probably don't have pecs. <laughs> um, what do you call it, Harriet? I call it a fanny pack because there's a fun story behind this. Because so she likes to watch the world burn. That <laughs> and when me and my best mate Chloe went on holiday to Corfu, I brought like a little bum bag that's like all iridescent and she borrowed one off her friend and her one had tassels and we'd had a few and we were in the club and she was doing this sort of shuffle dance and the tassels were flowing and from then we just called it the fanny pack dance see i would prefer the bum bag boogie but you know bum bag boogie yeah that's better thank you thank you <laughs> it's the bum bag boogie it's the bum bag boogie it's the bum bag boogie. Shake it little boom. It's the bum bag boogie. <laughs> trying to think of a fanny pack, like, wear alliteration. And the only, the, for some reason, I was like, there must be some kind of dance. And I was like, the fanny pack padded. <laughs> <laughs> it's the fanny pack padded. It's the fanny pack padded. It's the fanny pack padded. Shake it little fanny. It's the fanny pack padded. Well, thank you everyone for listening. Please come back next week and all the weeks following. And yeah, let us know. Give us your thoughts, your feedback, your ideas, your questions, all them tings. Tings. <laughs> I'm just trying to you out. Yeah, yeah, if you go, Sam. Thanks, guys. Ready? Five, six, seven, eight. It's the Bombay Boogie. It's the Bombay Boogie. It's the Bombay Boogie. Shake it a little booty, it's the bomb bad boogie with the room and the boogie ass. the beat. <laughs> it's the bomb bad boogie. It's the bomb bad boogie. <laughs> Perhaps Corey or Ali could be based on Sean Paul. Oh my yes. god, I would love that. Shake yes. that. Yes. Sean Paul. Shake that. Shake that. Shake that. Shake that.